0: So as we said, Dennis is going to be speaking on steps two and three, which are came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity and made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So Dennis, we'd like to hear what you have to say tonight. I'm Dennis and I'm an alcoholic. Get rid of the gum. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I'm here to speak today, tonight, about steps two and three and uh, how they affected me and uh, what brought me to the place where I am today with it. But in order to do that, I got to give you some of the background where I came from, which was I had a religious background. I went to parochial school for eight years. And uh, when I got out of eighth grade, I said, well, I was going to church six days a week for eight years. Maybe that's enough to last me the rest of my life. So... I kind of left church behind. As life went on, I still felt the spirit inside me. I became a uh, full-time musician. And uh, every night before I would play, I would pray for the people in the room, that everybody made it home safe, and that uh, they wouldn't beat their wives up and things like that. So, long before I got to AA, I definitely was very familiar with the spiritual world. And, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on my childhood, which I've never ever done in here, but uh, my oldest brother had infantile paralysis. And my mother took care of him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for 21 years. When he passed away, the next oldest brother got cancer. And uh, he is now the longest living surviving cancer patient in the history of man. He's still alive. He's 84 years old. All the doctors that gave him a year to live, they're all passed away and gone. (laughs) So (coughs) came my turn. I turned 18, and my dad said, uh, you can pay rent here, get yourself an apartment, or join the military. Which I did. I joined the military. Two weeks later, I had my eye poked out in a uh, freak accident and uh, I came home and uh, we were all starting to think of each other as the walking wounded. But uh, so I went into service at uh, 145 pounds, was up to 165 in two weeks, came home at 127 my face out to here and my eyeball looking at you like, oh my God. And with a chip on my shoulder. (laughs) All 127 pounds of me. I had to learn to adjust to life quickly because things were not going to go my way. So, God had a sense of humor, and he and he put me in the entertainment business. So now I had to learn how to hide that. So I started wearing shades. Well, at first, I didn't even wear shades. We played in biker bars. To them, that was just another tattoo, you know. And uh, <clears throat> they were actually the best people I ever played for. At the end, of every set, they'd come up, and they'd go, Any problems, Case? No, no everything good let me know man yeah okay that's the way it went on for years and years and years there was five one eyes that hung around Dominic's restaurant and when we were all in there at the same time boy I'll tell you what it was like people were like it was like wild <laughs> so <laughs> the years went by, and uh, you know I was I was a controlled drinker. I would uh, uh, start out the night, you know, and we'd kind of ease our way into the night. And by the end of the night, we'd be rolling along pretty good most of the time. But the years went by and uh, my world was slowly unraveling. The, uh, the last place we played for a living was the best Western across the street from the Green Shingle, uh, on Exit 5. And <clears throat> it should have been the best time of my life, but it was the worst because my drinking had uh, accelerated to the point where uh, I no longer uh, had a grip on things like I once did but uh, my wife was sitting there and uh, a friend of mine named Pat Lando they would meet me every day at the Green Shingle and we would eat lunch and I could decompress there and uh, (coughs) the spirit was still there, but it wasn't as strong. It was. It was getting. It, I, I didn't connect anymore. I said, well, I don't. I don't sense God's presence in here. Well, I didn't bring him with me. But uh, so, my friend who was with Janet and I every day at the Green Shingle, he went back out on the road by himself. And he met me one day at the Green Shingle, and he gets out of the truck and he's got a cowboy hat. And This guy's a lounge player, you know. Got in a cowboy hat and a vest and the whole nine yards. He said, I'm a Denny Casey clone. He said, Well, that's not the end of the story. So, years later, about four years ago, we, we reconnected. He's a Catholic priest. I'm like, What the? Kidding me or what anyway so I, I must have been doing something right even if it was by accident anyhow so the uh, the demise of my drinking came of course with a young lady that I was breaking up with at the time and uh, and my brain I was going crazy I was like I was like insane. So I called my brother. No answer. So I went and found him on his mail route. And I'm all distraught and stuff. And he says, well, he said, I can uh, give you the number of the hotline. I can give you the number of family crisis. I could take you to an AA meeting. I said, what's with this AA? He said, well, I'm supposed to ask you not to drink the rest of the day. And I said, well, you know I don't drink till six (laughs) o'clock. So at the time, we were playing a duo at the VFW on 26th Street. And uh, so I go into the meeting, and everybody, like today, talking, you know, like, pretty nice people, you know. All of a sudden, there's a hush over the room, you know, and people started reading this stuff. And they're like, oh, man, what the hell's going on here? And this girl got up and gave us the highlights of her career, just the highlights. And me and Bob had to leave, so Bob's going out the door, and he says, well, my name's Bob Casey, and I'm an alcoholic, and i got to go to work. Ha, ha, ha. So I go, well, my name's Danny Casey, and I'm an alcoholic, and i got to go to work too. Ha, ha, ha so we get in the car and he says what do you think I said about what he says you think they can help you well I don't see how they can help me the great Denny you know I had finally turned into a piece of shit and that was still all I ever thought about so he said well there's this club on East 6th street and our butcher goes there Gene. A. down there I go and there's like there's got to be like 15 old timers in there. I'd name them off but there was probably 500 years of sobriety there. So Lisa says keep coming back they said the first day as I sat next to the coffee pot back to the wall aiming the door so I could make a quick getaway when I was done. I started going there every day. That's what I would do. I said, do 90 meetings in 90 days. So I did 180 meetings in 90 days. And due to a situation that was this is a, too bad Kathy ain't here. <laughs> I won't tell that story. Anyway, <laughs> through, through a series of events, I ended up in the nut ward. So I'm up there two hour north, and one of my first memories was Joe F. comes up, and he knows what I did, and he goes, "Don't panic, case, don't panic, man." He said it affects some people this way. <laughs> okay, so we played a few games of pool, and he says, "You know, you ain't too nuts." He said you ran three games of freaking eight ball on me anyway so then my wife came up she played ping pong with me you know as I'm bouncing off the walls they could use me for a ping pong ball and I knew a nurse on the on the eighth floor and she come down she says look she said you got to calm down he says and act normal and tell them you want to leave tomorrow so I did you know, and they let me leave, and I flushed the Hell Doll, which made me nuttier than I was when I went in there. I flushed that down the toilet. So that's enough of say, hey. So here comes Jim Madden one day. I meet him at uh, Raven. He said, Hey, let's go make a song. You got a recording studio. In there. Yeah, okay. So we made a song, and we were having a good time. this said, hey, uh, What about this AA stuff? man, it's really helped me. He said, I got two years. He said, I'm doing good. He said, let's go have a cup of coffee and talk about it. So we did. And uh, about an hour later, he said, well, I gotta go. He says, you know, I'll see you at Willow Run. So out to Willow Run I went and I tried to start listening because up to that point, I was just, I was crazy. And I s- tried to slow down my brain and stuff, and it was. But those people out there, they just loved all over me, and they uh, made me the coffee maker. So that was probably the origin of it, if you don't like the coffee, you don't like making yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I started to meet people, and. I made a few friends. I got a then sp- we were in Dominic's one day, me and Bob were in there having coffee. He says, Man, you gotta get a sponsor, you gotta get a sponsor. And Butch is sitting at the counter. So I said, Boy, Butch would be a great sponsor. I got a bad eye, and he stutters. So he gets up and he jumps on and he walks up to Butch and he asks them to be my sponsor. And I'm like, you're not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to do that. But anyway, Butch became my sponsor. And uh, when we went through the steps, he didn't even interrupt me. You know, he just let me let her rip, you know. But I wrote down the fourth step. Well, we ain't going there. Stop. Step two. All right. Back up, champ. Okay. so. Came I believed in God all my life. When I was seven years old, he was my playmate and he let me do anything I wanted. But of course when I grew up, he stopped doing that. But I never could put together God helping me get sober. I, I mean, I, I, I couldn't take the God that I was raised with and put him in that place. It took a while. But slowly, ever so slowly, it started to sink in. And I started to live in the present tense. And I started to, well, I, in fact, when I first came here right off the get-go, I was praying in the morning, praying at night asking for help in the morning, praying to him at night, with various other prayers going on there too. And uh, so the, the concept of prayer didn't escape me, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me was I started to pray every day. And slowly, ever so slowly, I started to see changes on the inside. And I started to see people getting better. And I'm like, wow. People that I would have never thought in a million years. And all of a sudden, six months later they're like, They got this, you know, and I'm like, okay. And I I went to meetings just about every day. For the first few years. And uh, I tried sponsoring people and things like that. And they would go out and get drunk, but I I stayed sober. And some of them are sober today. But uh, I wasn't getting AA. AA was getting me. You know, Gene A takes me out on his one, one man sailing vessel. He calls me on the phone. It's a 55 mile an hour wind. And he talks me into getting on the boat. And I'm standing boat. He takes it out of the yacht thing. And he stands it up on a wave. And he turns it around. And he goes back in. Back into the yacht club. And I'm like. (laughs) I said, what if you'd have fallen over? He said, well, I showed you how to run it. I said, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Showed me how to run it. Anyway. He was quite a character. And uh, uh, I just met all kinds of people that, that, Jerry Haggerty walked up to me one day at, at the coffee machine at the club. He said, Casey, you know what this is about? I said, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. I still don't have a clue. I know how it works. I just don't know why it works. And it's good. I'll go to my grave that way. That's okay. I, I early on made the decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, which is, that's a tough one for me. You know, I'm used to, you know, my way or the highway. I mean, that's the way it was. And but I, I did have the common sense if I didn't know something I would go ask somebody who did. And I brought that with me into AA. So if I have a, a problem that I can't figure out, or, you know, I'm gonna do this talk here, which is a lot more serious than the first step because, you know, there's a lot of wiggle room in the first step, whereas now you're starting to get into the nitty gritty here of what this program's about, because, and I thought this for a while, the steps are in order for a reason. And steps two and three opens the door to the rest of the steps. And even though I was doing them at the best of my ability, I didn't realize that how the steps work together and I found out last night that the last 10 steps weren't originated in AA which came as a shocker to me and uh, I think the Oxford group or somebody like that which was the original way of sobering people up in this kind of a uh an environment the uh <clears throat> and i don't think it had anything to do with sobering up drunks either that's what i would think i was told last night is that true yeah i think so anyway i don't know that, that wasn't their main thing to do but for my money, anybody walking this planet that's a human being, the steps would work real well for them in their life. And uh, my poor wife by osmosis, you know, she's getting uh, she's it every day. I even had her listening to the Joe and Charlie tapes the other day. <laughs> Not for long though, she she isn't really ready for that yet. But uh, by the time we're 90, hey, I'm gonna have ya. So, anyway, I've muddled along in this program for many, many years. And I started to ease up on meetings. And I noticed that uh, I wasn't as fired up about it as I was when I went to a lot of meetings. So God sent me Dennis, you know, and he, he said, here, try this for size for a while. <laughs> when I came here, there wasn't any musicians except Jim Madden, who saved my ass. It's just that simple. Because musicians are musicians, that's what we do, it's what we talk about, that's what we think about. Uh, now I'm retired, but it's okay. Uh, I I did the music in the church for 23 years and uh, you know th- 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 when I first went there and I stumbled up to the stage shaking people's hands along the way as they looked at me like I had nine heads I said don't mind me I'm God shillelagh I'm here, I'm here to make sure order's restored <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, so I get to walking off the uh, stage for the first time and I turn to the preacher and I said, go get him, big boy. You know. <laughs> wandered out into the pews. He calls me over at the end. He says, boy, you're a brother fresh air in here. <laughs> he, says, he says, I have people that have been critiquing me for years and years and years on how to do this. He said, you're the first guy who said, you know, go get him. So, I enjoyed doing that for many, many years. And uh, now I don't anymore, but uh, people have moved on. And, uh, but the second step back to it, I embrace that step every single day, second and third. And uh, I live by all of the steps today. It took me a while to think that way. But today, I definitely live by the steps. You know you know I'm just rambling on here right now, but that's okay. I'm allowed. Hey, you know, I got the mic. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think I'm ready to open the floor for questions or comments or just don't throw no pizza at me and we'll be good. (laughs) Thanks, Dennis. So who'd like to get us started out with a question? I can talk for another half hour. (laughs) There we go. Hey Dennis, Justin, alcoholic. Um, so for me, uh, the one one of the biggest things that I heard you say that um, I'm struggling the most with is when you talked about living in the present tense, present tense. I just wanted to know what um, advice you give, you know, anybody or what helped you. And I mean, you, I'm in your home group, so you know, I'm only three months in, but I'm realizing when I'm not living in the present tense but that's been my biggest struggle is trying to remain in the present tense because I always feel better when I am and I know that but I still tend myself wandering off in my mind and I just wanted to know your advice on that. Well, that didn't happen to me overnight. But even before I had reached a certain point where I feel like I'm living in the present tense I always felt in my mind that I was trying to work toward that. Because to me, that's what AA teaches you. You know, they have sayings like, if you have one foot in the past and one foot in the future, you're peeing on today and that kind of stuff. But, <laughs> it was, hey, I didn't invent that. You know, that's what they told me. And uh, the, the uh, there's a lot of truth to that. I know that if you're anything like me, your mind's going a million miles a second all the time. But uh, I've learned to just slow it down. I might take a ride all around the peninsula and just talk to God. And uh, hopefully no truck cuts me off like the last time I was there. And I started to go into my act again. But <laughs> I'm that praying away you know not necessarily... <laughs> but I didn't stay mad you know I, I came back down to earth and, and I and I uh, continued on my uh, it's a form of meditating praying being in that environment helps me to do that if that's one thing having the peninsula out there we take for granted but other people certainly don't they come from all over the place just to see it. But uh, it, one of the things you're doing that is really good is the Joe and Charlie tapes. It, it, I just discovered that. I mean, I, I didn't even know there was a meeting like that. And they just about just started. And uh, at first you think, when they're in, the, in, they're in the beginning of the book, before they get into the book itself, I, I was never into that stuff. You know, let's get into the, like, the nitty gritty here. And uh, they're starting to do that. And uh, and it's, it's good for me to listen to other points of view on such things. And I probably wandered away from living in the present tense, but I don't know, sometimes living in the present tense is just listening to a song or uh, uh, definitely going to an AA meeting. You know, there's been times that I went to three a day where after Bush passed away and Chuck Graham became my sponsor, he said, Casey, this is early on, he said, just keep going. Just keep going straight through. When you get to the other side, you're going to be fine. And he was right. It took a while. It took a long while. But, you know, I'm not going anywhere. There's no time limit on this. You know, we're not, we don't have a deadline that we have to meet that we're going to be more sober than we were the day before. But I no longer pound the table, stove my finger, scream at the top of my lungs, even though I'm doing it now. but But I no longer think that way. My wife will attest to that. AA is me down to the point where I'm a functional everyday human being and the, the only wish I had when I was out there playing music and uh, and uh, being a wild man and all the other stuff all I wanted was a place to live and live like other people, that was my goal in life and uh, that's what I do for the last not all of the 35 years but probably the last 30 years I'm just another ass taking a seat in here which is fine with me and you know yeah I do (laughs) when I get too big for my britches AA has a way of like toning me down and nobody does anything spectacular. It's just, it's the whole thing. It's you people. Sometimes it's just somebody shaking my hand and saying hello. That keeps you in the present tense. When they bring up these topics, uh, you don't find that in church or anything like that. I mean, I've had a chance to grow in here spiritually and mentally and physically. Even you know physically too. Yeah. Uh, I could have done without the last one, but the uh, and it's an ongoing process. It's every single day. It's all day long. Every once in a while, my mind will wander because I'm I'm human. But for the most part, AA has taught me how to like be alive and and present in the present tense and uh, to be there for people when they need somebody. I hope some of that covered your question. (laughs) Hi everyone, Gretchen, alcoholic. Uh (laughs) Dennis, thank you, good job. And you may have already covered this and I apologize if I missed some of it but you had mentioned about you didn't realize that God could work for your drinking problem. Right. How was it that you came to understand that? That God does work for your drinking problem? I kept going to the club every day and there was was probably 500 years of uh, sobriety in there at the time. And these people knew how to talk to me in a manner that helped me cross that bridge. Uh, I had to smash my ego. And you know, it was easy for me to say things like, well, you know, Bob's got the ego. I'm the guy who takes care of business. Those who know Bob know exactly what I'm talking about. But what I would do is, I, I did not realize that my ego was getting in the way of crossing that bridge to where God is present. And I used to, <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I'm going to anyway. I sit in a room, and everybody's blinking their eyes. You know, and I got one eye, and I'm like, you know. So I I would sit in places, and all over the place, people are blinking their freaking eyes, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. So, at first, it seemed silly to me, you know. But then, I noticed that there was a pattern starting to go on, and you know, this was God speaking without saying a word in the rooms. And I'm like, man, this is really cool. And it, and I started to really overdo it. I mean, it was ridiculous. Now I sit in the back of the room lengthwise so I don't do that. Because I would get the whole room going. (laughs) So so that was one of them things that nobody ever talked about it, you know. Nobody would say that, well, we're blinking our eyes. But we were. That's what we were doing. uh, So I did notice how the spirit moved. I said, it, that even in this room right now, I can see the spirit move in here. Don't ask me how or why. Well, how, it's me sharing my experience, strength, and oh, no yawning, Dennis. Anyway. <laughs> with you people, and you people giving it back to me. Anyway, that's all I can say about that. No, I blink it. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who else has a question? <laughs> hey, Dennis. Jeff, alcoholic. Hey, Jeff. Yeah. Um, I, in my mind, I don't know if this is right or not, but I kind of think of turning my will over to God is pretty much the same thing as accepting and living life on life's terms. Um, you can maybe say whether you agree or if you see some differences there but I also feel like the more important something is the bigger the stakes the harder harder time I have turning my will over or accepting or living life on life's terms like okay my football team loses that's pretty easy for me to accept because I don't really care but something I care about a lot it's really hard so, I'm wondering if you find that too, and if so, if you have any advice on how do you get to being able to turn your will over, or accept, when the, on the tough things? Boy, that's a good question. You know what I've learned to do? Not right now, but out in life, I've learned from AA when to shut up. It used to be, I would just go on and on and on, in a situation that was major, that I now, like, oh, wait a minute, stop. And I don't say that stuff, that unnecessary garbage that I used to say, I used to call it the one extra sentence, the situation didn't need. And... uh, the major things, I'm still not the greatest at it because I'm not like a paperwork kind of guy and uh, you know the electric bill might be a few days late when I send it in and or whatever but I've become literate enough in things like banking and things that are important, rent, electricity and things like that to become responsible enough to handle it on a monthly basis because for a long time, I didn't exist. I lived in motel rooms, and the only thing, the only proof that I existed was I paid taxes. But learning how to have a household, learning how to not yell at my wife, and learning how to to uh, defuse situations before they get out of hand. Uh, learning what is important and what isn't. When they say these sayings, first things first, and things like that, they seemed odd to me at first. I'm like, boy, that's, this is all pretty simplistic. But I understand as the years went by how really important those sayings are. Because it's the real important things that I personally I don't want to like just gloss over and uh, like the uh, two thousand dollar recliner we have. <laughs> oh, God <laughs> you sit on it's like a board. <laughs> Yeah, the $700 one had a vibrator in it and the whole thing. So I dropped the ball on that one. (laughs) Then I got my electric bill and I'm like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. Anyway, so, so, but for the most part, major decisions, cars, uh, uh, rent, you know, and things like that and and, uh, crisis. I learned how to act in a funeral home. I didn't know how to act. When I was. If someone died, we just went and got drunk. I mean, that's what we did. Someone got married, we got drunk. Someone died, we got drunk. So, basically, the major things I think I pay a little bit more attention to. That's about all I got for that one. Who else has a question? Anyone on Zoom? If not, then Dennis, thank you very much.